Welcome to Abiding in Hope, a production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio in Columbus and St. Rose of Lima Radio in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Marianne Jepson, clinical counselor in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm Father John Sims Baker, the pastor of St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We are so happy to have you with us. It's a pleasure always. And so, Father, um, speaking of pleasures, would you start us off with prayer, please? Of course. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you, and bless you, and glorify you, and thank you. We ask you to help us always to turn to you first and always. To have you always in our hearts, in our minds. uh, To have you as our closest companion and friend. To place all of our needs in your hands first, to listen, to be attentive, to respond in faith and trust, knowing that you always have better for us than we hope for or imagine. And we ask all these prayers through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we ask the intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, Mary, full full of of grace, the the Lord Lord is is with with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father, for that beautiful prayer, because it's just so true. If if we always put God first, have him at the center of everything that we do, think of him first. When we have problems... When we struggle, whatever it is, and we just give it all to him, um, I think everything that we talk about on this program and everything that we don't talk about on this program, if we did God first in all things, how much better all of these problems and struggles and yeah, we'd questions. be out of business, Marianne. We would be out of business, which is not a bad thing. Father. Well, you <laughs> no. wouldn't be out of business. I would be out of business. Well, on the you show, would never we'd be, be out, out of business. business. <laughs> yeah. But I'd be happy to be out of business in that way. In that way. May, ha, but it, you know, sometimes you hear people say, um, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. Like, wait, wait a minute. That's what you should have done the first thing. Isn't that the truth? Turn to God first. Stop a moment and turn to God first before a word comes out of your mouth. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, here we go. We're ready for some words we have prayed, and now we have our questions. Are you all set, Father? Sitting on ready, rocking Rockin on, on go. go. Okay, here's our first question. I'm active in my faith and at my parish. My spouse is, as they say, and this is in um, quotes, not so much. This is causing some friction as well as frustrations and disappointments on both sides. How can I help reconcile this? I certainly don't want to give up my faith or my parish activities, but I do love my spouse. Help me, Father. So this is your question, Father. That's what it says (laughs) right here in front of me. Help me, Father. It didn't say help me, Marianne. It said help me, Father. So go for it. I. (laughs) <laughs> I'll try to do what I can, although I really do think, Marianne, you have uh, a good bit to offer on this one as well, because actually, it seems to me fundamentally, this is a question really about marriage, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I would, um, 
and 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 it really is something. I'm glad the the listener uh, who posed this question uh, put it before us. Uh, there are a couple of words I think that are important to to focus in on. One is f- frustrations and disappointments, because mm-hmm. those are dangerous words in marriage, as you know, Marianne. I'm sure it with a lot of your counseling. Sure. Uh, those are the places where frustrations, for example, is the sort of the seedbed of anger and uh, disappointments can be the seedbeds of seedbed of resentments. And those are two things that are very, very destructive to marriage. So it's very good that you're aware, uh, I'm talking to the, the person who's asking this question, of the presence of frustrations and disappointments because you want to you know, nip that in the bud and deal with it quickly you know that's really the i know when i do marriage preparation with couples um, a lot of the things you're wanting to look for are the things where there could be potential uh resentments and it it, it can be something small as well as something big something small is just as damaging as something big ultimately over the long term and so we want to get those things out. Um, and the way that happens, I think, is um, a very, very important passage. It's sort of Jesus' three-point plan of discipleship. Uh, deny yourself, take up your cross every day, and follow me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think of those three, I knew a very wise priest who just would preach that Especially at the very, very near the end of his life, and I just, I just picked up on that so much. And he said, if you're having some kind of problem in your life, like these kind of things, he said, go to that plan and ask yourself, am I doing that? And especially, he said, pay attention to that first point. You probably don't have to go any further. Deny myself. Deny myself. Am I denying myself? And speaking for myself, I have to say that worked has worked very well. When I get myself sort of bothered about something, if I stop and ask myself, am I denying myself? I very often realize, actually, no, I am somehow indulging myself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, and so that's what I would encourage this about this question. Again, quoting from it again, I certainly don't want to give up my faith or my parish, but I do love my spouse. Well, I would encourage maybe reversing those things, (laughs) saying, I love my spouse, um, and I don't want to do anything that would cause frustration or disappointment to come up in our relationship while preserving my relationship with my parish and you know, growing in my faith. And I think those things are compatible, especially if we look in the interior first, um, that denying myself. Because it might mean, frankly— uh, if you're really looking to the good of your spouse and where they are and accepting and loving them just the way they are, where they are right now, that perhaps maybe some of your activities you might have to step back from a little bit. Um, but but that's not the place to start is to look in your own heart and just sort of say, how do I serve my spouse? How do I love them, him? Or her, because that is um, that's your vocation. 
as you've been called to that vocation by God, and you've received a special sacrament to live out that vocation. And so that really is your number one priority uh, interiorly as you evaluate things and then as you put those things into practical effect in your life. And so if you do some of these things, if you realize, for example, well, maybe, you know, I, I see some things that maybe my spouse doesn't understand about my involvement. Maybe I need to show a little extra TLC or some attention or something like that or be patient and maybe have some you know loving, heartfelt conversations. Uh, but in the meantime, maybe I can't be quite as active as I had been. But if you're doing that for love of God by being – faithful to your vocation, and faithful to the sacrament of holy matrimony, well, you see, that's enhancing your spiritual life. That's enhancing your faith. You're doing that for love of God. Um, and so to, to look at the inside, look at the, the intention with which you're doing these things. And then, you know, hopefully if you approach it in that way, that, you know, uh, love that you have for your spouse and seeking to serve your spouse and willing to sacrifice for your spouse, you know, frankly, I think will probably win them over in a certain sense, you know, mm-hmm. it calls to be responded to in the same, with the same sort of generosity. And so maybe even though your spouse doesn't understand matters of faith or your involvement in the parish, then it's an invitation for them to say, well, let me be generous with, with you <laughs> as well. So, um, that's what I would do is to try to turn away from frustrations and disappointments and instead focus on the call to serve and to sacrifice. That's part of the vocation, part of the sacrament, and for which you know you have grace to be able to do it. God never, like for example, in the sacrament of holy matrimony, he promises you the grace that you need to live it out for your fulfillment and for the fulfillment of your spouse. So beautiful, Father, just so beautiful. And I think um, how contrary it seems that um, faith can actually, <laughs> your involvement in faith can actually cause friction in your right. marriage when we're so inclined to believe that my faith will strengthen my marriage. Well, it, it probably really is strengthening your marriage, or, or we're sure that it is strengthening your marriage, but maybe not in the way that we had most anticipated in, you know, the involvement in parish activities and things. Um, I've seen this many times where it actually pulls marriages or causes the friction. And um, so I love how you talk about denying self because what really is marriage about but sacrificial, um, continual sacrifices of self um, all the time, taking up that cross and following Christ. And it never comes quite in the way that we would want it to. Those crosses don't, you can't really choose your cross, I don't think so much, right? Um, Uh, No, that's, yeah, it's better if we just take the ones that he picks out for us. That's right, that's right. And, um, um, you know, this really is saint-making material. Absolutely. It's it's just saint-making material to have to 
sacrifice perhaps time with God to have more time with your family um, when God comes first, right? God comes first, but yet you have to sacrifice that time for the sake of your family. The purpose or one of the really many purposes of marriage is to get your spouse to heaven. And by spending more time at church with church activities than with your spouse might not be quite doing it in your situation. It might be turning your spouse against God, which is not what you want. So by your Christ-like behaviors towards your spouse in sacrificing, that doesn't mean that you give up personal prayer or give up um, trying to... um, I don't know. The behaviors that you have around your spouse, the loving behaviors, will show Christ in you to your spouse. Well, you know, in a certain way of speaking, uh, since holy matrimony is a sacrament of the church, living out that vocation and that sacrament is a church activity. Your That's right. primary Isn't church that activity, yeah. actually. So there yeah. really shouldn't be sort of a... Uh, you know, a conflict here. And one of the things we have to, I think, as Americans, it, this is really true even in church life, we tend to be very activist, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of, and I, I'm guilty of this as a pastor or whatever. You're like, okay, we have to have lots of activities and have lots of people and lots of activities. But I heard a good corrective one time to that. Uh, this was at the sort of parent night at the beginning of a school year in a parish school that I was at. And the principal, who's a religious sister, got up and said, you know, we have many things for your children here and activities and for your families as well. And we're happy for you all to be involved in those. That's why we do it. But I don't want to see you here all the time. <laughs> yeah. You need to be at home and you need to be doing things with your family. You need to be having meals together and doing things together like that. So, I, and I might even say something to you if you're here too much. So. Oh, good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so true. Um, so true. Um, I I wanted to say that, you know, negotiation on some of these things is, is, is working with your spouse on yes. what is a reasonable amount of time and trying to have your spouse understand that this is my heart and soul in so many ways. My faith is. And please you know, understand that. So talking with them about it, and I'm willing to come cut back what is reasonable to you, you know, asking your spouse that. Um, I would... Yeah, I think it is. It's just a real invitation to that kind of communication. Yes. Which is so important. Because, again, uh, frustrations and disappointments come, I think, when one party or the other feels kind of like shut down or uh-huh. shut out, yeah. you know? And and if you're communicating like that and willing to reach out to one another, then it helps to minimize the dangers of a buildup of frustrations and disappointment because you feel like, hey, I, I'm being heard. I'm being understood. Exactly. The things that are important to me are being taken into consideration. So I think the last sentence on this, um, I will read that again. I certainly don't want to give up my faith or my parish activities. Well, you're not giving up your faith by living your faith, by praying, by going to adoration, negotiating. In fact, time in adoration is probably far more of a, a, a growth in faith than all of those activities, like you say, Father. You know, um, maybe some of the activities can go, but 
uh, adoration at 7 o'clock in the morning before you go to work or something like that would be um, you're not giving up your faith, you're nurturing it, you're spending time with God. And maybe you can do it at times where it doesn't interfere with the rest of the family activities or time with your spouse. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. Well, I think that um, we have another question coming in the pipeline. But before we do that, I'd like to reintroduce. I'm Mary Ann Jepson, clinical counselor in Columbus, Ohio. And and I'm Father John Sims Baker, the pastor of St. Rose of Lima Catholic Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And you're listening to Abiding in Hope. It's a production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio in conjunction with St. Rose of Lima Radio in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We accept your questions for the show on abidinginhope.com. Please send them in because we really are getting some great questions. And um, I think these are relatable to most all of our listeners in some way or other. So we thank you so much for the questions and please keep them coming. You ready for the next one, Father? I'm sitting on ready, rocking on go. You knew okay. that was coming. I knew that was coming. There's something. <laughs> Father's very good about uh, um, predictable. Us. Predictable. Yes, he's predictable in some ways. Some ways, not so much. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so here we go. We hear a lot about issues regarding immigration and migrants and human trafficking on the borders of the United States. What is the Catholic Church's teaching about the care for these people? What should our response be to both extend mercy and concern for the poor, but appropriately protect our country and families? Well, first of all, I would say, and Mary Ann, please jump in. I, I, I need to say, first of all, I am certainly not an expert <laughs> in, in the, uh, on these issues, to tell you the truth. Um, but I do think they fundamentally... Um, you just come to fundamental moral issues about the and you know, one of the very very fundamental levels of doing any sort of moral analysis, and that's what this question is asking about. Uh, comes back down to the dignity of the human person as sort of the baseline, and so that's where we um, need to you know to look at about this. So again, I I can't speak to particular policy issues or initiatives or something like that. I'm really not an expert in this area, and but there are people who are, and, and I would encourage you to, if you want more information, but just generally speaking, you know, of course, as I think this questioner sort of understands, um, you know, uh, there needs to be care <laughs> for these people. There are, uh, the, you know, we live in a world, uh, not only... It, in our country, although we're very aware of it here, but even more so, I think, in other parts of the world, I think probably more human migration going on maybe right now than at any time that we're aware of in sort of at least modern history or sort of more uh, just huge upheavals going on. Um, you know, much of it driven by, you know, political and military <laughs> things, uh, but also economic things and um, sometimes even sort of climate thing, whatever. But um, there are all kinds of things uh, going on in this, uh, in this area. And the, the, the people involved, of course, um, have this inviolable human dignity that must always be recognized and must always be, you know, respected. So, 
one thing, I mean, it seems that, that sometimes people in addressing this issues kind of maybe sort of grandstand to some extent and talk about, you know, sort of depersonalize, you know, dehumanize, you know, the people we're talking about. So <laughs> that, that sort of thing should always be uh, avoided. Um, and, um, you know, looking at the, the needs and the how to respond to these things. And like I've said before, as of the question, it said one of the important words in Catholic theology, this is from Father John Harden, uh, it said one of the most important words is the word and. You know, it's very rarely just mm-hmm. there's this. Mm-hmm. There's usually there's this and this. So, um, you know, um, what can be done? I think in this area, at least in our country, I think ordinary people, I'll just speak for myself, feel somewhat powerless in this area to some extent because it seems like our, you know, if you can even speak of immigration uh, system, uh, is just really kind of broken and nobody seems to be able to put forward sort of a comprehensive plan that really makes sense, that is uh, fair and just uh, and respects the human dignity of uh, migrants, as well as, you know, uh, protecting the um, legitimate uh, interests of the host country and, uh, and society. And, and so these are, um, again, they're, they're balances that we have to, to strike. But I think one of the things that can always help us is to be, to not, not look at things in a, a huge uh uh, think of some sort of cause or issue or something like that, but but to to stay on the human scale, um, to think of the needs of um, what really serves human flourishing the best, um, how to take care of people who are in are in a you know, migrant situation, maybe how are things to be addressed in the countries or places that people are coming from. What sort of provision should be made to justly um, welcome people into a host society? Um, and I think those are the kind of questions we need to ask, and but they need to be dealt with on this human level and not on a, a sort of level of abstractions mm-hmm. or ideology. I don't know if that's helpful enough or concrete enough, but that, that's sort of what I got. Yeah, I think those are good comments. And certainly I'm no expert either. But, you know, again, I look to the last um, sentence in this, what should our response be to both extend mercy and concern for the poor, but appropriately protect our own country and families? And on a practical level, unless we're going to go down to the border and, you know, and get involved down there or or we're going to... um, become a politician ourselves and get in there so that we can make some changes. We can vote for people. Practically speaking, we can vote for people. We can write letters um, about the dignity of the human being and also about the safety of our country. We can get involved locally in terms of helping the poor. We're doing what we can in our own environment, our own world. There's some things that are, are kind of beyond us in what each of us can do or with our own responsibilities with our families and various things. But 
we can help the poor locally. We can help migrants locally. We can um, do things in terms of of trafficking. I mean, there that's becoming just a, a really, really huge thing locally here in Ohio, in Columbus. There's all sorts of things, becoming aware of the things that we can do on the local level. Drugs, I mean, that's, I don't know what an issue that is and how many lives that's taking um, that come through these immigration issues, um, doing what we can on a local level and um, educating ourselves on all of this. Um, You know, I would say maybe... uh, uh, Going back, in a sense, I sound like a broken record today, but to the, to that point from Scripture, that call to discipleship of to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I I think if we apply that, you know, in circumstances, I think uh, even in you know circumstances like this, it's 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 very helpful. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we have on the at least the southern border of the United States, is we have, at least you know, economically, if nothing else, two kind of different worlds coming right next to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and if there are things that can be done to, um, you know, mitigate the the uh, extremes um, of that, you know, you know bringing these two things together. Um, and, and and again, that's something that, again, I don't think you or I no. can do any kind of sweeping thing about. Yeah. But but we can do, we can examine our consciences and sort of see, you know, am I, am I denying myself? Am I trying to live simply? Am I trying to live generously? Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe St. Teresa of Calcutta one time said, you know, in our world, we don't have a population problem. We have a generosity problem. Oh, so true. You know? yeah. I think, again, I may be mis- <laughs> Good misapplying Good enough of a quote. Right. But if you got she close. didn't say it, yeah. it's like something she would say. Yeah. It's so. like so- yeah. <laughs> well, Father, I want to point out also before we close out the show here uh, that um, another way of answering this question about what is the church's uh, teaching on the care of these people is you can go to the usccb.org and they do have the Catholic Church's position on immigration reform on there. Um, you can look at that and you can figure out ways to put it into practical being in your own lives. And so um, I hope that's uh, a good enough answer for you all. Thank you for sending it in. And Father, we've come to the end of the show. So would you please send us out with a blessing? Of course. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's it for today. Until next time, be blessed and also send your questions into abidinginhope.com.